WITR Henrietta. You're listening to Witter 89.7, and you're tuned into a very special edition of the S. Munson Show. This is the first episode since the coronavirus pandemic reached the greater Rochester area, causing RIT to shift its instruction entirely to alternative methods. I'm your host, Luke Auburn, Senior Communication Specialist at RIT, a two-time RIT alum and a Witter community member. I'm joined today by RIT's 10th president, Dr. David C. Munson. These are unusual times, and they call for uh, an unusual episode. Uh, president Munson and I are coming to you live from uh, Witter's Studio A, recording the program in two separate rooms to practice good social distancing. Traditionally, the program is hosted by RIT students, but since all of WITR students have headed home for the semester, I'm filling in. We have a lot to cover today, including the state of RIT, details about how RIT is responding to the coronavirus, and we'll be fielding questions submitted by listeners. If you have a question you would like answered on the program, you can tweet using the hashtag AskMunson, and we'll do our best to provide you an answer. But before we get to all that, President Munson, how are you and your family doing? Uh, is everyone healthy and well? Are you mostly holed up at Liberty Hill these days? Well, we're we're definitely holed up at Liberty Hill, and uh, thanks for asking our family as well. Uh, my wife is still volunteering at uh, St. Joseph Neighborhood Center downtown that offers low-cost medical care, but they're not seeing patients face-to-face at the moment. And uh, we've got sons and other families sprinkled all across the country, but uh, everybody's in good shape so far. Thanks. Wonderful. Um, glad to hear that. Uh, so we have a lot of questions to get to today, but uh, first, can you just give us a uh, from a high-level perspective, uh, where is RIT at currently? Uh, what's the state of RIT right now? Well, as <clears throat> as you know from being here on campus, the campus is, is mostly closed now. Uh, we do have some students left in the dorms, but not very many. And uh, faculty and staff are mostly working from home. We have only a few exceptions. We have some staff uh, that are still taking care of the physical plant and are, are here in person on occasion. And we have uh, some faculty who need to come in and use certain resources to work on their online courses. But uh, the campus is really quiet, and I'll even say a little bit spooky right now. It is definitely strange to see the campus so empty, uh, especially at the uh, in the middle of the school year. Usually it's not like this uh, at this point. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about how things are going from an academic perspective since uh, we made the transition to alternative delivery uh, for the remainder of the semester? Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> uh, online delivery seems to be going uh, really fairly well. Uh, we realize there are uh, a handful of students out there who still have some issues, uh, but in the main, uh, we uh, have received a lot of feedback um, that, is, that is really quite positive. Our faculty, of course, had uh, the week after the regular spring break to sort of tool up and um, work on uh, transitioning their materials to online, and in some cases had to uh, really conceive of some new types of assignments and exercises, and uh, it rolled out pretty well, and uh, so far we're, we're happy with how it's going, although if there are students who are ha- having difficulties, then we certainly want to hear about that. Okay. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, as part of that adjustment, RIT introduced a new grading policy for this semester. Uh, this is to help ensure that students who uh, don't fall behind uh, due to challenging circumstances. Can you explain what that means for students and uh, what the new policy generally means? 
Uh, sure. So we realize that students are not taking uh, the coursework under normal circumstances now, and uh, depending upon what they're facing on the home front, uh, they may have other obligations, and, and certainly we all have concerns about the virus itself. So we did change to a pass-fail grading system for this fall. Uh, letter grades will be assigned by a faculty member, but the student has uh, the option to stick with pass-fail unless they request that that letter grade be recorded. And so we're trying to do this at the advantage of the student. Uh, so uh, sort of along the uh, theme of uh, switching mid-semester, uh, this is a big undertaking, and it requires to support students in unanticipated ways. How has RIT continued to make sure that students who need support, whether they're deaf and hard of hearing uh, or need some other accommodations, are still able to receive it? And what are we doing to help students who have limited technology available at home? Well, a number of things here. Um, first of all, there is a, uh, one of our trustees who provided a, a, a quite a large gift to help purchase technology for students who don't have, say, a laptop at home. And then other trustees um, chipped in and matched, more than matched that gift, actually. So that enabled us to purchase a couple hundred Chromebooks. And so for a student who doesn't have the right technology, they can just simply request one of these Chromebooks. We also realize that we have some students living in rural areas where they may not have good Internet service. Uh, so we also have a number of uh, hotspots that can be given out to students. Um, we have supplied a number of these items uh, to members of our student body, but we, we have a number left as well. So if any student is having difficulty in that realm, uh, they should just uh, let us know. Uh, regarding deaf and hard of hearing students, I was just communicating with the president of NTID, Jerry Buckley, a couple of days ago, and it seems like everything is going okay uh, for that community, but we do realize that there may be some special challenges there as well. Uh, so looping back, uh, if the students need accommodations, how do they reach out? What would be the appropriate way to do so? They, they could reach out uh, to their faculty member, to their department chair, to the dean. Uh, they could send a note to the provost's office. And then, of course, there's a, a helpline, a coronavirus helpline. Uh, they could also just use that. If they can just get to the RIT website and uh, go to the coronavirus webpage, um, there will be all kinds of contact information there. So uh, pretty much any way we learn about this, uh, we'll respond. Okay, I believe the email address is coronavirusresponse at rit.edu. So yes, thanks. I think that's right. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, so before all this happened, um, it's hard to remember back then, but RIT had several major construction projects going on. Uh, we were in the midst of uh, finishing the Global Cybersecurity Institute, uh, and there were uh, plans for projects like uh, the Innovative Making and Learning Complex, which would connect the SAU and uh, the library, as well as Performing Arts Center. Where do those projects currently stand? That's a great question, because uh, that is a lot of major activity. So the Global Cybersecurity Institute building, of course, um, has been under construction for a while. It was to be completed this summer. But as of just a week or so ago, uh, the state changed their ruling on uh, ongoing construction projects and asked that all construction, uh, with only a handful of exceptions, be halted. And so uh, we did have to stop the construction on our Cybersecurity Institute 
Institute. Uh, that may end up delaying the opening by just a little bit. But if we're lucky, we'll get that construction going again uh, within a few weeks. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. Regarding the IMLC, or Innovative uh, Maker Learner Complex, uh, that is under design, and that design was already scheduled to last into the fall. And so except for uh, some of the architects having to work from home, uh, we don't expect a big delay there. Um, the Performing Arts Center is in uh, the same realm. It is under design. In fact, that design started not all that long ago, just a couple of months ago. And so the Performing Arts Center is still early in the design phase. Uh, neither of those large buildings was scheduled to uh, begin construction for quite a while yet. And so I think we're good there. If we look longer term, an another possible project we had in mind was in the realm of athletics. Uh, we were talking about the possibility of of building what I refer to as a real stadium uh, for soccer and lacrosse and some additional athletic fields. Uh, those that that project is not as far along, and uh, you know if we were to pull back on something for a little while, most likely it would be in that area. Okay, so uh, that makes sense. So the other appear to be going forward. Um, okay. Uh, let's get to some questions submitted by our listeners. Uh, one person submitted a question asking about refunds. And I know RIT recently released information about the refund policy for things like dining and housing. Can you explain what RIT will be refunding, what they won't, and what the reason behind everything is? Sure. So we're going to be refunding a prorated uh, amount um, of uh, housing and dining costs. And the housing costs are for students that were residing in university-owned housing. Uh, we, of course, had many students in housing uh, on the outskirts of campus, perhaps on John Street or East River Road. That housing is not owned by RIT, and so we have no control over uh, how the financial arrangements are made uh, with the people that, that in corporations that own that housing. So we are going to be providing prorated um, refunds of dining and housing. That's being looked at on an individual basis, though, student by student, because there are some students where, as uh, for whom part of their financial aid package uh, really was paying for their part of their dining and housing, and so we've got to factor that in as well. And we're also going to be refunding a, a prorated amount uh, for parking. The one thing that we do get asked about where we're really not in a position to provide a refund is for tuition. Obviously, we're continuing to teach courses. Uh, we're going to be graduating our students on time, and uh, we have to have money to pay the faculty and, and staff that make all that possible. And plus, we have to have uh, uh, sufficient resources to sort of keep the band together. That is, when we get to fall, we want to have all of our faculty and staff intact. And so we have to be able to pay them. And so we're not providing refunds of tuition, uh, but uh, in the other areas we are. Okay, thanks for explaining the rationale. Um, commencement was on several people's minds. We received a lot of questions about this. Uh, one uh, one person asked, how will the class of 2020 be able to receive their robes, honors, stoles, and caps? Others are wondering if we'll hold some sort of virtual s ceremony. Are you going to speak? Do we have any <laughs> plans of uh, what it's going to look like at this point? Yeah, so so um, <clears throat> obviously we're, we're waiting just a little while to see uh, uh, how the virus situation ends up playing out. Uh, we have a couple of main options that we're thinking about. 
the most likely option, I would say, is that we would have some sort of face-to-face ceremony this coming fall, perhaps either over Labor Day weekend or uh, during Brick Sitting Homecoming. And if we were to do that, I think we're still going to want to do something virtually, that is over the Internet in May, but it would not take the form of any sort of traditional commencement. The other option is if um, uh, opening classes at the beginning of fall is looking a little bit dicey, then we may actually want to try to have a full-out virtual commencement, uh, perhaps even in May, and then if we are able to open uh, in the fall, uh, to still have a party or something in the fall. But those are the two main options. I know somebody had asked about caps and gowns. We're still making a decision on whether we mail those out or if we have a a ceremony on campus, whether people pick them up on campus. Um, And then, of course, there's the in-between option, which is maybe we mail out the caps to everyone. At least they could take photographs of their caps. They could decorate them and what have you. And then if they come back for the uh, face-to-face commencement, the robes would be there. Uh, And we'd be interested in opinions on students, from students, in terms of what they'd like to do. We've also um, already received um, probably comments from 100 or more students uh, suggesting to us uh, what would be most convenient for them and their families, but we're still soliciting information there. I think within the next few weeks, we'll probably make a decision on this in terms of which direction we're heading, um, whether, we, whether it seems very likely we'll have a face-to-face commencement at some point in the fall, but we just really have to get, to, get, get past the peak of the virus, get on the downhill part of the curve, and uh, start gaining some confidence with, with what we think will be possible in the future. Okay, great. Um, another listener asks, what is happening with students who were planning to work or study on campus over the summer? Uh, some need summer housing and will need to sign a lease, a lease soon. Uh, so will there be in-person classes over the summer? Uh, do we still not know? Are there still decisions being made about that? Yeah, so we have some information, but <clears throat> not as much as everybody would probably like at this point. So I think for any of the summer classes that would occur um, during the month of June, those are going to be online for sure. In July, we're going to be asking our faculty to plan on teaching online, and then if we're pleasantly surprised, maybe we'll be able to to hold those classes in person. Uh, We are canceling most events and summer camps on campus through the month of June. There are some exceptions. One important one I want to mention is that many high schools in our area hold their commencements in our field house. We have not canceled those commencements or moved those commencements, at least not yet. But for summer camps and academic activities, things related to academics, uh, we are either canceling or putting those online at least through the month of June. Okay, interesting. Um Another person asked, are there mental health resources available for those living at home, and will there be an increase in mental health assistance for uh, in the fall semester? Some students have had to return to tough environments or may have uh, family members who are affected by coronavirus. Uh, Where are the mental health services available? Uh, Great question and an important one. So Our uh, standard mental health services are pretty much still available, but in a different form online. And again, if you go to the coronavirus um, part of our website, you'll find instructions on that. There's one little sticky part, and that is um, there are some regulations 
that don't at least strictly allow for us to provide uh, full-service counseling to students who are outside the state of New York. That's not our rule. That's somebody else's rule. We're trying to get that changed um, during this period. Uh, but for the most part, students can receive similar services to what they're used to seeing or re- used to receiving uh, from our CAPS, the um, Counseling and Psychological Services Center. Um, in terms of extra staffing in the fall semester, we haven't contemplated that yet. Uh, I think a lot of our audience will recall that it was about a year ago, year and a half ago, we added about 50% more staff in the CAPS area at RIT, and uh, we feel like we've been staffed up to about the right level, and uh, we're hopeful that that will still be sufficient this coming fall. Okay. Thank you for answering that. Um, I had another interesting question from a listener. Uh, They wrote, after the 2008 recession, Netflix pivoted its business away from DVDs and into streaming. Uh, which paid off big in the long run. Has RIT considered any pivots it might make to uniquely differentiate itself from other universities in the coming school year? Uh, that, is, that is something we're, we're thinking about a little bit. Um, we don't have a lot to report there, and uh, I, especially uh, you know, during this, the current period where there's so much uh, suffering uh, and, and, uh, and uh, so many deaths and, and severe hospitalizations, it's it's maybe a little bit early to be thinking about what might be the opportunities that could emerge from what we all learn from this and, and how might it change our uh, teaching and research practices. But uh, we do have people who are thinking about that. One thing I'll predict for sure is that uh, prior to this, there was only a part of our student body and a part of our faculty that had any uh, significant experience with online instruction. And I think this is going to be a huge learning experience for all of us in terms of what works, what doesn't work, what kind of things uh, or for what kind of things to be taught, for what kind of things was it possible to make modifications and still um, uh, create an effective education over the web. Uh, And I think we're going to learn a lot from that, and I think we're going to have larger components of online education uh, integrated into RIT. On the other hand, I know for sure that it seems like everybody in our community can hardly wait get, to get back together again, to get into the labs, to get into the art studios, and to do all those hands-on things that, that especially RIT students so much enjoy. Thank you. Um, another question was about uh, co-ops and internship requirements. Uh, some students have uh, been disrupted mid-semester, Uh, Some are looking for the summer, and uh, they're hiring freezes in many uh, corporations. Uh, How will co-op and internship requirements be modified uh, for this semester, the summer, and the future? Uh, Do we have a policy for that? Yeah, that's an important question. I don't have a full answer to that. What what I think is that if a student was engaged in a co-op, and let's say they were a graduating senior and... um, uh, haven't been able to finish that co-op this semester, and that's all they need for graduation. I'm I'm assuming we're going to be flexible enough to just r- kind of write that one off and not worry about it. Um, what I 
am less clear about is, um, you know, what about that student that was supposed to start the co-op this coming summer? And maybe they were going to be starting it in May and now can't start it until July 1st or some other date is determined by that company and when it's safe to go back to work. Um, I've not been involved in those conversations. So I think the deans will have information on that because they've been talking with the provost about that. Uh, but I'm not party to the uh, the latest decision-making there. So RIT's, uh, over the years, grown its uh, footprint in research quite a bit, and uh, I know a lot of people have been asking about what are, how are those research grants that we're doing being impacted? Is research continuing at RIT uh, currently? Will it uh, res- When will it resume if uh, projects have been put on hold? Do you have any insight on that? Well, that's another good question. So, yes, we have been um, increasing the amount of research, including funded research, done on our campus. And what we really were forced to do was to bring uh, most of our laboratory operations to a halt. Um, We have different kinds of research that occurs on campus uh, for the work that was being done on computers, or maybe it's theoretical work, some of it's even paper and pencil, um, and the work that involves... um, Uh, writing up previous research results, submitting journal articles and conference papers and what have you, all of that can still uh, continue at home or for the students engaged in that in uh, in their homes. But there is um, some laboratory work that requires special equipment, special facilities, and we really did have to halt almost all of that. Uh, The only kind of laboratory work that uh, is really allowed to go on now is is work that might somehow uh, positively impact the coronavirus situation. So we have a very small amount amount of work like that. Uh, One thing that I will mention, just as an example in that area, is uh, Professor Nabil Nasser and his group um, in our Center for Integrated Manufacturing Studies and also the Sustainability Institute, they've been involved in a very major project in designing and producing a ventilator, especially for our local hospitals. That, that is a pretty sizable team that's been working on that project, and, of course, that kind of project was allowed to continue. Yeah, that, and that seemed like it was a big Rochester-wide effort that we were kind of leading, lots of collaborations with other um, yes. Um, it, it, this is a collaboration that has involved a number of local corporations and uh, also Rochester Regional Health. We even had uh, a number of their medical cl- clinicians uh, in our labs over at RIT on a number of occasions looking at a prototype uh, device and uh, making recommendations on uh, uh, just how it would need to perform in order to be effective in helping treat a COVID patient. We've also been working with the University of Rochester to get some help with uh, FDA approval for this device. That's interesting. Where are some of the other ways that uh, the RIT community's sort of been rallying around this cause? It seems like there's been a few stories out there of people uh, using their unusual talents to make a difference where they can, whether it's in there, There or... sure have. So um, <clears throat> RIT's also been involved in making uh, surgical masks and in making face shields. So we have... Uh, a number of faculty members and students who have been involved in that effort. Uh, One of our trustees, Ron Mercada, 
uh, has a company called Century Mold. It's an injection molding company, a plastics molding company, and one of the largest and most capable probably in the entire western uh, side of, of New York State. And they are producing an enormous number of face shields uh, for use in hospitals. On that earlier ventilator project I mentioned, another of our trustees, David Burns, has been very involved there. Dave is an expert in manufacturing, including 3D printing, so he's been very involved in that ventilator project. And then uh, Rochester Regional Health uh, and and RIT have been partnering in a number of other ways, uh, one of which is in tracking this virus. So they just recently asked for some help. Uh, They wanted a professor in either mathematics or statistics who was an expert in modeling uh, to help their team at Rochester Regional in uh, in uh, essentially predicting uh, what this virus is going to be doing within our region of the state. So those are just some of the things, but there, there are quite a few others as well. Um, uh, along those lines, someone asked, uh, how can RIT address the, the many issues associated with coronavirus through our curriculum? It seems like just about every major we have from engineering to public policy to health sciences could use this uh, as a uh, teaching lesson. So uh, do you expect that to be happening in the classroom? You know, that that's a good question, and I think it comes from a, a, a good place in people's hearts where we all want to chip in, and, and um, uh, there are so many aspects of this virus and its spread and possible treatment that are just very poorly understood that it's probably true that a lot of different disciplines will be able to contribute uh, to, to a study of this and, uh, and some other disciplines, of course, that are going to be contributing right now to um, possible developments of a vaccine or testing of existing drugs that might at least uh, help somewhat. Uh, we do have some other research that I haven't mentioned. Uh, we have a faculty member working on something called giant phages, P-H-A-G-E-S, These giant phages are organisms that attack multiple viruses. And so that's an example of another type of research where we've sort of green-lighted it at this time, even though in general we've we've, uh, uh, halted most of the uh, uh, laboratory-type research on campus. But I think um, uh, there are probably going to be quite a number of faculty and staff who over time are going to be taking a look back at what we've just experienced in trying to develop better models and really get us much better prepared for the next time that this sort of thing might occur. That's fascinating. Uh, this is just a reminder that you're listening to Witter 89.7. We're uh, joined today by President David C. Munson. This is the Ask Munson Show. If you have a question you'd like asked over the air, uh, you can tweet using the has- hashtag Ask Munson. Um, my next question is... Uh, uh, someone asked, how is RIT faring financially during this crisis? Other universities are considering layoffs and worried about the ability to provide complete financial aid packages in the coming semesters. Is RIT thinking about these things? Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're looking at the financial side really carefully because we, you know, we, we never really like to think of a university as a business. But if, uh, if we don't have our business hat on at, at this time, as, as well as just you know, our concern for, for our neighbors and for each other, uh, we we really won't be in a good position for the future. So, uh, the refunds for housing and uh, and and uh, meals are really going to add up to many millions of dollars. You know that are, that are not in our budget. 
we hope to recoup some of that from the federal uh, rescue bill uh, that was passed uh, not long ago by Congress, but we're still going to have many millions that are that are unaccounted for. Um, in addition, you know, whereas um, many of our of our faculty and staff, I'd say probably almost all our faculty. And, uh, and a lot of our staff are able to work from home and still do very effective things for the institution. You know, no surprise we're going to have some staff who really can't do their jobs if, if they're not on campus. And so we're going to have to think about that over the longer term. We don't yet have a plan for a furlough or layoffs or those sorts of things. Uh, but we've been, you know, keeping close tabs on the federal legislation the um, the benefits that are provided there for a uh, person who is either laid off or furloughed are really generous when added to the already existing state benefits. And so that's something we're going to be looking at. Uh, but we really want to make sure that every member of our community is taken care of. And, uh, and that is especially true for our wage earners at the lower end of the scale. Interesting. Um, Someone else asked, uh, will the dorms be used for COVID patients? I think they've seen that at other uh, local universities. Yeah, so we've been contacted by multiple organizations outside of RIT that have an interest in potentially, not definitely, but potentially using university housing. So these are are workers who are maybe more likely to be exposed to the virus. Um, The one thing that I think I can talk about, and I won't talk about all of them, is that with uh, Rochester Regional Health, they have a number of uh, docs and nurses and other medical staff members who, um, when they finish their shift, they go home and they're not mixing with their families because they're not sure that it's safe to do that. So they may be living in a basement or living in a garage or something. Um, They have asked us if we would be willing to make some of our housing available. Uh, They haven't said that they would want to take advantage of that for sure, but they've at least made the inquiry. On our side, what we've done is um, identified an apartment complex where there would be no students living there. And uh, if Rochester Regional were to want to use that, we're certainly willing to to talk to them about that. Obviously, uh, there would be we would allow a long time to elapse uh, between the departure of uh, any visitors using our housing. Things would be thoroughly cleaned, and we'd make sure you know there uh, there was no chance whatsoever of of any virus sticking around. Um, so we have a way to think about this in a, in sort of a segregated fashion. Uh, if if we do have some outside community members living in our student housing, we're not going to be mixing these people with our students. Okay. Uh, that's very interesting. Um, another question was about international students. Uh, someone seemed concerned about uh, international students who uh, may have been away while they during the break and weren't able to return to get their belongings or um, who maybe didn't have uh, a place to go. Maybe their home country was under quarantine. What sort of services have we been providing for international students? Yeah, that's another important question. So, you know, we we worked hard to get as many of our students to move out of university-owned housing as possible by April 5th. 
and so the vast majority of students are moved out, but there are some who are not. There are some uh, who really had no place to go, and so we're continuing to house. Uh, it's, it's actually under 300 students still in university housing. And then there are others who were not able to return to retie- retrieve their belongings. And what we're doing for right now is just leaving their belongings in their rooms, and uh, we'll hope to arrange for later pickup. But for right now, uh, those belongings are safe and sound, and they have not been disturbed. Okay, I'm sure that's reassuring for people to hear. Um, we just got uh, another interesting question. Uh, it appears that someone is uh, looking for cooking tips. They're stuck at home, and they asked you, what is the most epic way to cook spaghetti? So do you have any culinary tips for our Oh, looking, looking for cooking tips. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> I don't know if I'm the right one to ask. Um, I guess the the tips I'll give that um you know and, and this isn't going to help very much, um, but my wife and I we've been going to the grocery store as infrequently as possible because we don't want to mix with very many other people, and now when we go we're wearing a mask and I think it's a really good idea to wear a mask, uh, because every little bit helps in terms of uh, lessening your chance of contracting this virus, and so when we go to the store we load up. And just try to do that in one visit and then not go back, you know, for a week or 10 days. Um, we've been loading up with healthy things. Uh, neither of us is vegetarian, so we've got uh, plenty of chicken and healthy meats and uh, a lot of fresh produce. Uh, we're trying to eat well. We're trying to have lots of vitamins uh, and to try to fortify ourselves uh, in, in case that's needed. But um, I'm not going to throw out any favorite recipes. Okay, well, that's good advice nonetheless. Um, another person reached out asking, just generally, uh, if students feel like they need help, uh, where can they reach out for support, uh, whether it's academically if they feel like their uh, professors uh, are having trouble adjusting to online or whether it's uh, something going on at home or they need help uh, technologically. Yeah, so I'd, I'd say, and, and it, it's probably the answer is not too much different from uh, an earlier question much earlier in the show. Um, but in this case, what I do, obviously you start with your faculty member, but if that's not working out, then next step up is the department chair. Next up, step up above that is either the dean or associate dean. But there's also this general uh, help center, and this help center is well-staffed, and they are literally following up on every single thing that comes in, every kind of call, every kind of problem. And I can tell our students that the number of students who are encountering difficulties is small enough that uh, the problems for each student are actually being handled individually. And so you will get individual attention, and, um, and your problems um, will be uh, followed up upon. Uh, just for those who are listening and don't know what the uh, call center is, uh, it's 585-475-3500. So know that that's out there as a resource available to you. Um, another question uh, was from someone speculating, and they're wondering uh, if this uh, pandemic uh, continues and uh, fall semester isn't able to resume as normal, what would instruction look like? Yeah, so we're considering a number of different scenarios that could develop for the fall or even uh, during the next academic year. 
Um, we're kind of keeping the options open, and we're trying to arrange a budget for the university that would allow us uh, to to work under any of these scenarios. And um, I can mention a number of them, but, but you know, we don't know what's going to happen for sure. We think it's most likely that we'll be op- able to open with a regular fall semester. But we realize there's some chance that might not happen. Uh, so some of the other options being considered are to actually start school early. Like suppose we were worried that a second wave of the virus could come, I don't know, in late November or something. We may actually want to try to open the semester a little bit early. Uh, another option would be to, to certainly open on time, plan on finishing the whole semester, um, but we'd also have to be prepared that if we op- open on time, uh, maybe we'd have to finish the semester online. Uh, yet another option is to, if we had to, to start the semester online and then bring all the students back partway into the semester and, and complete it face-to-face with all the usual laboratory and studio kinds of experiences. Um, you know, kind of a worst-case scenario might be that, gee, we, we really have to do the whole f- fall semester online and then we uh, start face-to-face classes uh, for the winter term in January. We certainly hope that doesn't happen. And, of course, the, the things that will impact um, which of these scenarios plays out, it's not just seeing um, uh, the virus problem decline in the coming weeks and getting way, way past that peak, but really we have to have much improved testing, uh, and we also um, will feel a lot better if uh, some of the existing drugs that are out there are, are actually effective, not in preventing the virus from taking hold, but in limiting its severity. And so there are a number of things we're going to be kind of watching for, and uh, a lot of this will be guided by the public health authorities. We're in close contact with our local authorities in Monroe, Monroe County and with the governor's office, as well as listening to uh, Centers for Disease Control and the federal authorities. We'll be looking to them for guidance, and uh, we'll be uh, really keeping people's safety as our number one priority. It's a fluid situation, but uh, it sounds like uh, you have everyone looking at all the important indicators. Um, We had another question uh, that was related to student workers and uh, students who their only source of income was when they were working on campus, um, and they're wondering, you know, what should they be doing if they're concerned uh, financially or um, from that loss of income? Yeah, unfortunately, this is an area where I, I don't really have a, a complete answer. You know, I just hope we can get back to normal as, as fast as we can. There are still quite a number of students who are employed because they can uh, can do and are doing useful things off campus. But, you know, for some of the students who are working in food service, for example, um, our food service is almost entirely shut down. Uh, we we do have and have made some effort at placing a number of students into different kinds of jobs where they still could be useful, um, but unfortunately we have not been able to uh, to promise continuing employment for everyone. So I think our biggest hope is that you know a few weeks from now or a month from now or a month and a half from now we can get rolling again. Thanks for addressing that. Um, our time here is close to wrapping up, but I'm curious, what closing comments uh, do you have? Uh, what encouragement would you have uh, for the RIT community at whole, uh, uh, whether it's alumni, students, faculty, or staff? 
Well, I guess the first thing I want to do is just thank our community for for really rallying to the to the cry, so to speak, and and really assisting in every way possible. I want to thank our faculty and and the staff that work so hard at uh, really converting almost our entire curriculum to online format. There have been some very creative things done there that I've been really impressed with. I want to thank our student body for being so patient and understanding. You know, we're doing our best, uh, and, and uh, you know, we're going to get through this. And then I, I, I certainly want to thank our communication staff. Um, one thing I've heard over and over again from people out there uh, in, in the community is how well they think our IT is communicating. And I don't take much credit for that. We have a, a, a terrific communication staff that has spearheaded this. And we hear over and over again, maybe from a parent that has a son or daughter at RIT and maybe a son or daughter at some other school. And they're just feeling way more comfortable with um, the level of communication and maybe even in some cases the decisions being made at RIT. Um, I don't want to, again, take a lot of credit for this, but I do want to thank the people that are involved. And uh, uh, my best wishes to our entire audience, uh, to your loved ones. Uh, Stay safe. Follow the rules. Follow the guidelines. Stay apart as long as we need to. And then when we all get to come back together again, it's going to be one heck of a party. So take care. Thanks, President Munson. We really appreciate you taking the time to address the community Uh, for those words of encouragement. Hope you and your family uh, continue to stay healthy, and we look forward to seeing this place uh, busy once again and can't wait for that to happen. So that concludes this special edition of Ask Munson. If you missed portions of the program, we're planning to post a recording and transcript of the interview to rit.edu slash news as soon as possible. I'd like to thank uh, Witter Chief Engineer William Leuschner and the rest of the Witter eBoard for helping make this broadcast possible. Stay safe, Tigers. You're listening to Witter 89.7, the pulse of music.